turn our Bibles to Luke uh, 6. Because God's Word is holy and powerful, and He has all the authority. Let's stand, if we're able, we'll stand and read together Luke 6, starting at verse 12. Hear the word of the Lord, Luke six twelve. And it was at this time that he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also named as apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples, and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured, and all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. Let's pray together. Our glorious Father, you who sent your Son, even Jesus our Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit, that he would help us to receive and believe this, your word, that we would embrace your Son, Jesus our Lord, with saving faith. For we ask these things in the name of Christ our Lord. (coughs) Amen. Please be seated. I don't know if you're like me, having a lot of questions about the matter of God choosing 12 apostles. Why 12? Well, we'll look a little bit at that later. Um, why was it even necessary to select apostles for the future of the church? Don't you think uh, Jesus himself maybe could have even established his church without the apostles? Maybe Jesus himself could have dictated the holy words of Scripture from beginning to end to have a New Testament dictated to a scribe from the very mouth of Jesus. But he didn't choose to do it that way. He instead used 12 apostles. Um, Why would Christ select an apostle who would betray him? Have you ever thought of that one? And do we still have apostles today? Earlier, Jesus revealed himself in this Um, gospel account. Jesus revealed himself as the Son of Man. In chapter 5, he revealed himself as the Son of Man who had divine power and authority that he was able to heal that paralytic man. But more importantly, that he had the authority to forgive sin. As the Son of Man, again, that's a messianic term, Jesus also proclaimed himself to be Lord of the Sabbath in opposition to the legality or the legalistic Um, ways of the scribes and Pharisees. 
As we get to today's text, we look at verse 12. It says, At this time he went off to the mountain to pray, and he spent the whole night in prayer to God. Well, why did Jesus do that? Why did he spend the whole night in prayer to his Father? Well, um, if you go back a little further, Luke five sixteen, it says that it was his manner. That's, that was his customary thing to go off and pray. Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. That was his manner to go off by himself and pray. But why pray all night? I think what was going to happen the next day was in a very important event. His selecting of the, let's just say this, his final selecting of the 12 apostles. Because we know earlier in prior chapters that Jesus had already selected three fishermen, Luke 5, uh, Peter, James, and John. And also at, at the end of the chapter, chapter 5, he selected Levi, who's also called Matthew, the tax collector. So here he's not selecting all of them. He's finalizing the selection of the twelve. But Jesus stays up all night in prayer because it's a very essential event that's going to happen. As we examine today's text in depth, the main focus is that Christ reveals himself to us in his selection of the twelve apostles and in his ministry. And we'll see this in two main points. Why Jesus called twelve apostles. And secondly, the glorious ministry of Christ. Let's look at this first main point, um, why Jesus called the twelve apostles. Let's read verses 13 through 16. When day came, that's day came after a full night of prayer all night. When day came, he called his disciples to him and chose twelve of them, whom he also named as apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon who was called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot who would become a traitor. Key to understanding this passage is what does the word apostle mean in the first place? Um, There's a verb form of this uh, word apostello, which means I send out. So the, the Greek word apostello means I sent out. So the most basic understanding of an apostle is a sent out one. Some people translate this as a delegate. One who is sent out with delegated authority from a person like a, a king or a ruler. Or let's just say this, if you have a governor, the, uh, the lieutenant governor, he, he, he goes out, he's sent out on behalf of the governor. He, he can speak on behalf of the governor. He can do things on behalf of the governor. He's a sent out one. That's what an apostle is. Such a man had both authority and a message from Christ. I want us to look at a parallel passage, Luke 6, I'm I'm sorry, Mark 6. Mark 6, starting verse 7. And he summoned the twelve and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits. And he instructed them that they should take nothing for their journey except a mere staff 
no bread, no bag, no money in their belt, but to wear sandals. And he added, do not put on two tunics. And he said to them, wherever you enter a house, stay there until you leave town. Any place that does not receive you or listen to you, as you go from there, shake the dust off the soles of your feet for a testimony against them. They went out preaching that men should repent, and they were casting out many demons and were anointing with oil many sick people and healing them. So in verse 12 of this text in Mark, they had the message of Christ. Repent. To tell people that they should repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. But also, they were to have authority, divine delegated authority, coming from Christ to do signs and wonders, to heal and to cast out many demons. Now, we know that not every demon they could cast out. Some only Christ was able to cast out, but they were able to cast out many demons and heal many. So again, a key part of being an apostle was someone being called and sent out by Jesus himself. So apart from Paul, apart from the apostle Paul, every apostle met Jesus face to face. They knew him personally. They joined in with the ministry of the Lord Jesus. They saw his miracles. They saw his signs and wonders. But Paul, after the death of Christ, was spoken to directly by Jesus, called by Jesus to be an apostle. Um, That happened in, in Acts 9 when Paul was on the Damascus Road. Jesus blinded him and spoke to him and rebuked him and then later called him to serve, including how much things he would suffer for the sake of the gospel. Um, A very strong argument, very strong argument can be made from 1 Corinthians 15 that Paul was the last of the apostles who were called. Paul wrote this, Last of all, as to one untimely born, he, Jesus, appeared to me also. So the called apostles were given authority of Jesus. They were given the message of Jesus. They were to spread the gospel. But another reason why Jesus called the apostles was for the writing of Holy Scripture. As I said before, Jesus could have just dictated Scripture, but he did not want it this particular way. Um, He gave the the apostles authority to, to either write Scripture themselves or to supervise those who were writing Scripture. Now, why do I say that there were those who wrote Scripture who were supervised by the apostles? This gospel account that we're going over today and Mark, Mark and Luke were not written by apostles, but they were written under the close supervision of apostles. Um, You could say another uh, particular passage, uh, another book of the Bible is Acts. Acts was written by Luke as well, under the supervision of the apostles. Uh, Some wonder about Hebrews. Hebrews, um, I believe, is not written by Paul. It was likely written by someone else. But that was written also under the authority of of the apostles. Now, with the closing of the canon of Scripture, there's the end 
of the offices of prophet and apostle. Now, well, what about these full gospel apostolic churches that we see in the United States and elsewhere? They have a continuation of the office of apostle and also a continuation of the office of uh, prophet. But if they have the continuation of the office of the apostle, then the canon of Scripture is not closed. Because when that man speaks, we should be writing a lot of what he says down, especially when he preaches. If there's apostle, a true Holy Spirit-given, God-given apostle today, when he preaches on a Lord's Day or wherever, people should be writing it down and giving us the epistle according to the Church of San Francisco, the Apostolic Church of San Francisco, or wherever it may be. The same thing with tongues, interpretation of tongues, people interpreting tongues, given that's still ongoing revelation. They need to have an epistle according to the Pentecostals of Alexandria. And what's going to happen is you're going to end up having a Bible, yay thick. And I've been down this road before in the Assemblies of God. That was the first church I went to out of the Roman Catholic Church, and that was an eye-opener. But in the Assemblies of God, we actually had apostle, not, we, we had uh, prophets, we had a guy that came to us and said that God revealed to him that six people at a fundraiser would each donate $1,000 to this commercial that we're raising to, to show a commercial in, in Israel, or to, I think it was, it was to show a commercial for people to pray for Israel. Well, one of the people that got up there, there's only four that got up there, uh, one of the four that got up there was mentally in- incapacitated and didn't even have $200 to her name. And they all, he also said, if you don't have the money, trust God. In other words, go in debt to give us the money. Now, i never seen it, but I believe there were some people in that Assemblies of God gathering that wanted to stone this God. But it didn't happen. It, uh, but it, that really burned it for me, though. Not only that, other uh, people in the Assemblies of God and Pentecostal circles um, gave certain prophecies that didn't come to pass. or They gave revelations from God, such as women and children will be ordained to the preaching ministry. Now, what do you think of that one? God revealed that to me. Well, that's against Titus and, and the epistle of Titus and Timothy. It's totally against Holy Scripture. They're giving things as false revelation that conflicts with other scripture. Therefore, it's not a trustworthy revelation because the canon is closed. So God brought forth these apostles to the writing of Holy Scripture. Why did Jesus then call Judas Iscariot, who would later on betray him, according to verse 16? Um, Maybe thinking about that he's picking a man who's going to betray him to lead to his crucifixion. Maybe that's one of the reasons why he was praying and he was up all night praying. Oh, Father, are you sure that I need to select this man to betray me? Well, he submitted to the Father. He called even the one to betray him. And that was in fulfillment of Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture reveals to us that Christ had to be betrayed. I have here a couple of verses in your outline, Zechariah eleven twelve, which says that he was to be sold for 30 shekels of silver. It also foretells the selling of a, of a property um, and a potter's 
a house or a potter's property, which also was fulfilled in the the, the death and the uh, the burial of, uh, or I don't even know if it was a burial, but Judah's being cast into this open potter's field. Psalm fifty-five, twelve through thirteen tells us that Jesus was betrayed by his companion and a familiar friend. Jesus had to be betrayed because it was necessary for the messianic prophecies to be fulfilled that Jesus would then suffer for the sins of his people. Just as two were sent out, two apostles going in pairs, telling people to repent, I tell you, I beg of you, Embrace the Lord Jesus Christ. Embrace him who suffered and died for your behalf. Be reconciled to God. For God made him who knew no sin and become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Let's look next at this glorious ministry which follows immediately after the appointing of the twelve. Look at this next main point, the glorious ministry of Christ, verses 17 and 19, 17 through 19. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples, and a gathered and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with clean, unclean spirits. Uh, were being cured, and all the people were trying to touch him, for power was coming from him and healing them all. These verses here, verses 17 through 19, are a great demonstration of the power and authority of Jesus as the Messiah. I want us to look first as, at Jesus' Jesus's authority as a preacher. Um, it says here in verses 17 through 18 that a large crowd, a great throng, that's another name for a great crowd, um, of people came to hear him. Word about Jesus' preaching had spread. People told others, have you heard this Jesus preach? See, the reason is, according to Mark 1, is that people were amazed at his teaching because he spoke with authority, not as a scribe or a Pharisee. Jesus wasn't a boring preacher. Jesus used everyday illustrations of of farm life, plant life, animal life, things about the world around us to illustrate truths about who God was and what God demanded of us. He was not a boring preacher. And people oftentimes would listen to Jesus, and I, I bet you some of them wondered, this Jesus' preaching is so great, it's as if I'm listening to the very words of God. And they were. They were listening to the very word of God, the Son of God, the God-man, Jesus. Again, his preaching was practical and could be applied to everyday life. And I believe his preaching was even accessible to those with limited education. Jesus also had a messianic authority to perform signs and wonders, miracles, far above the measure of the Old Testament prophets. And in preparing this message, I was thinking this, that 
If you add up all the Old Testament miracles, all the miracles performed by Elijah, Elisha, the other Old Testament prophets, if you took all of the miracles of the Old Testament and added it up together, you might have a portion of what Jesus did in this one night. And it's important to notice, never in the Old Testament do you ever find a prophet casting out a demon or an unclean spirit from a possessed person. But Jesus did. Jesus cast out demons by the Spirit of God, which was evidence that the kingdom of God had come upon them. And Jesus was the Almighty who bound the strong man and was plundering his house. If you ever wondered about that passage in Matthew 12, Jesus is the fulfillment. He's that one who bound up, beat up, plundered, the strong man. Jesus demonstrated power over the evil one, and he still does today every time an unbelieving man, woman, or child embraces the gospel. When they turn from sin and unbelief to Christ, there's a supernatural work against the work of the evil one. You might ask yourself, well, well why do some people believe outright and others resist and outright reject the gospel. Keep your place there in Luke, but also turn to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. Let me read this verse. Keep in mind that the word God here um, is the little g. Uh, when it talks about the evil one. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, in other words, it's covered over, so people can't see. Even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Some Christians don't believe in demon possession. I do. But if you say you don't believe in demon possession, I would say this. If you don't believe in demonic deception you're not in line with Scripture. This passage clearly teaches a supernatural demonic deception for those who are unbelieving. Now, if you don't believe in Christ, if you're here and you don't believe in Christ, you have to, or if you're listening to this message and you don't believe in Christ, you must pray for supernatural power and grace and the work of the Holy Spirit to remove from you a dead, deceived heart, a heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh, a new birth, a regeneration, and only by that means of supernatural grace can you believe and receive and embrace the gospel. Perhaps some of you remember what it was like to walk in sin and unbelief, to not care about the things of God, to delight in sin and wickedness, even though you might not have known it, you were deceived by the devil. 
If you have believed and have received Christ by saving faith, the words of Colossians 1, 13 and following apply to you and to us together. He, that is Jesus, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1. Brothers and sisters, Christ has revealed himself to you in the selection of the twelve apostles and in his ministry. Why did Jesus call twelve apostles? He gave twelve who were given his authority both to spread the message of the gospel and to heal and to cast out demons, but also the delegated authority given by Christ to write down the words of Scripture. And even one was chosen to betray him. Chosen to betray him to fulfill the prophecy that Jesus Christ would come into the world as one who would suffer and die for sinners such as us. Keep in mind, the apostles were part of the delegated authority of the new church. The authority of the church is made up of prophets and apostles, but Jesus Christ is the ultimate final authority. He is the chief cornerstone. He is the one through whom all power and authority and all revelation has even been given. Even the Old Testament prophets were given inspiration to write through the word of God, the pre-incarnate word of God. The glorious ministry of Christ was evidenced by the fact that great crowds, great throngs came to hear him preach because he preached as one with authority and he had the authority of God himself because he was God and he is God. And Jesus Christ had authority to heal many and to cast out many demons because he has the power and authority because he is the divine and holy one. He is worthy of your worship He is worthy of your trust. Put your faith in him. Trust in him. Embrace him by faith. And you shall be saved. Let's pray together. Our glorious God, we thank you for Jesus our Lord. We thank you that in him, in Jesus our Lord, the very fullness of the Godhead dwells. That all power and authority and might and splendor and glory has been shown in the person of your Son, even Jesus Christ. And we long to see him on that great day when he will return to judge the living and the dead. And he will give unto those who love him his kingdom and his new heavens and new earth. And we long for that wonderful day. We thank you, O Lord, for this your holy gospel, for this your holy word. And we pray that you would work it in our hearts and minds through the power of your Holy Spirit. For we ask all these things in the name of Jesus our Lord. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 404, the church's one foundation. Let's stand and sing 404.